Welcome to Books and Nachos, a podcast for those of us who find excitement in the pages of a good book. At booksandnachos.com, you can find over 100 reviews from fiction to nonfiction, graphic novels, and more. There's also links to our forums, our Facebook and Twitter pages, and information about our Podbean crowdfunding campaign. At booksandnachos.com, we're here to find you something great to read. Testing, one, two, testing. Diane, it's 8 a.m., Seattle, Washington. As you have no doubt surmised by the clarity of this tape, I purchased a new Micromac pocket tape recorder, the big little recorder at Wally's Rent to Own, 1145 North Hilltop, where, as the sign says, a bargain is a bargain no matter what the cost. For $21.89 cash. I decided to pass on the rent-to-own option, Diane. Leasing may be the fast track to an appearance of affluence, but equity will keep you warm at night. I have no doubt that this new model will prove to be an extremely useful tool in the investigatory process, where the most fleeting insight can be lost if your hardware isn't as solid as you're thinking. I have two stops to make, Diane. Woe's House of Cloth, where I'm picking up a new black suit, upping my total to five, one for each day of the week, presuming I don't have to work weekends. Frequently not a safe assumption. $199.99, including alterations. Second stop, the regional bureau office to pick up some files. Although I have wrapped up the fiber sample procedures seminar I came here to conduct, it looks like I'll be heading east on a new case instead of back to Philadelphia. We'll fill you in on the details after I've been briefed. Diane, it's actually Tuesday, March 14th, 2017, and now Peking is here to talk about you and all those microcassettes that were made by Special Agent Dale Cooper. This is Books and Nachos. I'm Stuart. And this is Arnie from the Black Lodge, and welcome to a much shorter episode of Books and Nachos as we discuss Diane, the tapes of Dale Cooper. This, I remember, it came out in... 1990. Yeah, it came out the day after the season nine premiere. So even though it goes through the season premiere episode, it spoiled nothing. It came out 24 hours later. And I bought it. I think I must have gotten it the week that it came out and played it and enjoyed it. But it wasn't easy to do because I want to say in 1990, there were a lot of places that people had upgraded to CD. And this came out actually on not a micro cassette. It was a regular sized cassette, but it was tape. And I was fortunate enough to have a boom box that also had a cassette deck so that you could tape your CDs and then play them in your car. But I don't know where I had the cassette player otherwise to have listened to these audio recordings. Oh, I had cassette players everywhere. I even had one with a microphone on it. It was a Walkman that you could record on. Again, full cassettes. Because 
I did a lot of walking and bicycling and listened to music and I didn't have a portable CD player because those were for rich kids. And so yeah, I had a home stereo, I had a boombox, and I had a Walkman, all of which were cassette. It was my format of choice, really. Even if I bought CDs, which were brand new to me that year, I would have still dubbed them all, like you said, to cassette. So yes, when this came out, how awesome. A cassette of Agent Cooper on cassette. The big trick for me was how was I going to listen to it for this review? I actually mm. dug out my cassette and I'm like, shoot, I don't have a tape player. <laughs> yep, that was the problem. They, I could, If it were on CD, I could have played it, but I don't advocate piracy, but I didn't put it up on YouTube. It's It, it was there and I played it and there you go. So if you're quick about it, you can go listen to it. Google Diane. Well, I got really lucky because just two months ago, as I'm s frantically scrambling for a cassette player, I didn't even think to look on YouTube. I rarely do. But there was announcement that they were going to release a special edition CD of this so that people could oh. hear it again. That didn't happen. Instead, they put it out on Audible for like $3.99. Oh, okay. It's a 45 minute that you can listen to. I listened on my phone in the car. I was excited. We talked about the Diary of Laura Palmer yesterday. I wondered what new mysteries would be revealed when Cooper talked to Diane. <laughs> Will we hear Diane? Would there be a response? Now, the answer, of course, is no, that this is mostly a memento of the show. If you just wanted a keepsake and an audio, almost like a radio play version of everything that happened in season one and the season two premiere, this is going to incorporate, I would say, about 10 minutes of monologues from the series with about 35 minutes of newly recorded stuff by Kyle McLaughlin. They got him to come back. All of his monologues were written by Scott Frost, who is the younger brother of co-creator Mark Frost. And he would go on to write a couple episodes of the later episodes in season two as well. And I think we're going to be talking about him again because later on we're going to be revisiting more of Agent Cooper's tapes in print form. Not quite as fun, but... yeah. I think that they they realized they got shown up. Yes, Twin Peaks was all the rage in spring of 1990, and everyone was rushing to put out products and tie-ins. Some were better than others, but the coolest one was the one that we covered yesterday. The Secret Diary of Laura Palmer actually, I thought, brought a new dimension to the whole Twin Peaks Laura Palmer lore, and this tape does not do the same thing for Agent Dale Cooper. And they'll give another shot to that. And we're going to cover that. There is an autobiography that we're going to cover after the series here on Books and Nachos. It's Cooper in his own words transcribed, but it will cover, I think, a large period of his life, more than, than the time frame of this, which is literally just a week. We The first recording we're going to get here is of Agent Cooper actually picking up this cassette player. He just bought it and a new suit when he realized he has to be called the Twin Peaks. He had a very busy day. When we reviewed our very first episode of Twin Peaks over at NowPeakingPodcast.com, I said, well, Cooper had to be in the area because he gets there pretty early, just a couple hours after they find the body and Ronette crosses the state line. But yeah, we're going to see that he had to actually hop a commuter flight. He was up there for some training from his home in Philadelphia. And 
got rerouted instead of getting to go back home he yeah, bought a cassette bought a suit took a flight that did not go very well it's probably my favorite part of this entire cassette bit is his recordings from the air and then his happiness to be back on solid ground yeah it's very much like a radio play which i enjoyed i mean as a kid of the 80s you always liked making cassettes i used to do that kind of thing i would get sound effects records and make goofy recordings where i would pretend to be in a storm on a plane or something like that so i have an affinity for this that they're gonna do that and they even get a few other characters the lucy will chime in at one point we'll hear other people on the recording lucy was doing those 900 numbers too lucy would show up you put a microphone <laughs> out lucy he's there yeah but as far as the tape cassette thing going one i wonder what they're going to do on season three because this was a defining characteristic of agent cooper that he had these tapes and obviously well i mean they leave his character in limbo but how are they going to compensate for the fact that they don't have this very cool device that have very utilitarian purpose i mean typically detective fiction you want to have a private eye be able to talk to the audience and usually it's voiceover right usually it's it was a call dark night and when she came into my office and you know this was a very hip modern technological way of not having to use voiceover he could talk about the case and yet it would be naturalistic because he had a tape recorder and he was going to apparently mail these cassettes to philadelphia where his secretary diane was going to transcribe what was important and now yeah i don't know what they're going to do but i will miss diane i imagine she can't be alive 25 years later i have not heard if they have cast an actress to play her but throughout the entire run of the series we never see this diane and and we do not know anything more about her here on the tape you bring up great points of Diane in the series and what may happen with season three. But as far as for what this tape is, this tape is a collectible, but man, it is not worth getting as an audible thing. I mean, in the end, after he gets to Twin Peaks, yeah, either you hear brief episode recaps of things that weren't recorded on the show, or with much lower audio fidelity, you hear audio clips from the show put on cassette. <laughs> I knew that audio fidelity would bother you because it bothered me. I'm like, if this is not working for me, I know that you're mad that they just put a microphone by a TV set and recorded the episode. I mean, that's <laughs> what it sounds like. Oh, I'm sure they had the original recording Masters? from the set. But you think so? Yeah. I'm not even convinced the the quality is so bad. Here's the thing, is that's a microphone in a room where you want to have ambient noise, because when you watch a television and you see a person in a place, you want to believe they're in that place and hear the background sound. Sure. When they brought Kyle MacLachlan into a studio, they had him under perfectly quiet settings where the only sounds they heard is the one that their special effects guy intentionally put in. And so just really the fact that it's a boom mic versus a microphone in a recording studio in a sound booth, it makes all the difference. And I could tell that then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the reason why you would do it is twofold. I don't know if you hadn't watched season one that this would get you up to speed, but it is helpful to have at any point in a mystery, you want the characters to stop what they're doing, stop investigating, turn to each other and say, okay, what do we know? And after season one, it was a great time to ask yourselves, okay, 
There's a lot of characters in this town. A lot of things have happened in a short period of time. What do we know about the Laura Palmer case that won't be solved for eight more episodes? That's kind of how this works, is that we will hear selected moments of Cooper and all the major suspects and what he thinks about them and how they might tie into the mystery. Yeah, I was thinking that when I listened to this. This was before on-demand rewatching. This was before even the ability to buy season DVD sets. TV was not put out on VHS by and large. I mean, Star Trek, the original series, was put out on VHS. I had all of those, but that was the rarity. Usually you just get like... You could do sometimes a Time Life subscription where like you'd get two episodes of soap every month or you'd be able to get the best of cheers on VHS, these four episodes. So if you were coming in late or you just wanted to relive the mystery, yes, this was a way of hearing clips from the first season as well as Kyle McLaughlin bringing you up to speed on stuff that he didn't say into a tape before. Yeah. And I think the other reason to experience this, the one that I would advocate, although I don't think it has as much repeat value as an actual episode of the series, it would be remiss to skip episodes and just play this tape. But I do feel like Kyle McLaughlin is probably the best thing about Twin Peaks. And he's still good here. It's very entertaining to hear him geek out about Canadian geese and uh, the, looking at the stars. It's it's more nerdiness. Basically, all of his boyish enthusiasm for the local culture and all the new material and all the monologues, I feel like a lot of it is just him being a geek and setting up the fact that he just loves being in small town upstate Washington. Yeah, it made me realize exactly how much of his quirkiness got lost, like even four episodes in. In that first episode and the second, he's talking about the JFK assassination and he's talking about trees and murder just like back and forth it's almost like he had a personality disorder in those first episodes he became far more focused and linear pretty soon yeah i agree i don't think he knew how long he was going to be there in those early episodes to be fair you know you heard about a murder and and there's one survivor and it sounds like something you could wrap up in a day or two and I don't think he was counting on it taking what ends up being about three, three and a half weeks. And Kyle is funny here. I mean, I did have a few moments where I smiled. I don't feel like he showed a new side of his character. But if you like the character of Agent Cooper, there are moments to make you smile. The Grammys liked him enough. Yeah. They nominated this for Best Non-Musical Performance. Best Spoken Word. Yeah. He lost to George Burns, a sentimental vote. I don't know if George was better, but, you know, who can deny 100-year-old George Burns? (laughs) I didn't think his delivery in the studio was as good. It seems to be like he's an actor who works when he's in a set and playing off of people. I thought his delivery in the studio was a little flat, which leads me to wonder if he's ever done voiceover work. You know, what I would say is he's playing up the comedy. He recognized that Cooper is a goofball. And so this feels to listen to these tapes And then never having seen the show, you might think that the show was a sitcom just by the way he delivered it. But what's cool about Cooper, what I've always liked about him, is that he's really smart. He just gets to his ideas in a roundabout way. He'll use mysticism or psychological games to get under people's skin and get the answers that he needs. He might look flaky, 
but I never think of him as being a flaky or or an untrustworthy detective. And so to hear these tapes, you just might think that this guy doesn't have enough on the ball. True, but by the same token, you've also got the interlude straight from the show where he's discussing the Laura Polymer case and even a couple newly recorded things about He's not going to be surprised by the things that are found out about Laura Palmer when you even hear, because it's a clip from the TV show, where Sheriff Truman says, you didn't know Laura Palmer. Well, by coming in cold and new and old footage shows he knew her better than anyone who actually knew her while she lived. He knew her type. Right. Yeah, I guess I miss that, though. It doesn't come through to me when you're talking about his performance and you not liking this as much or or feeling like he's not trained to give the same performance when he's in the audio booth. I feel like what might be missing from this audio performance are those moments where he's he has those gotcha moments. You didn't love her anyway, Bobby. You know, those kinds of like, I gotcha kind of surprising. He can be direct. And he can even be a little bit formidable, a little imposing at times. And he just doesn't come across that in these tapes. But that's okay. I mean, I think if I were going to listen to this tape again, now that we know who killed Laura Palmer, there's no use pouring over the the minute details. The important thing is just enjoying his personality and, and the trivia, the tidbits. There are little surprises here. If you've ever wanted to know Audrey Horn's birthday, wanted to send her a bowl of cherries... It is August 24th. Yeah, and you wondered on Now Peaking if she was really 18 years old, and Cooper confirms it here. She is 18. Yep, I guess that fair game then. They they could have gone there for season two, but they didn't. Yeah, there's always season three. <laughs> but you say, listening to it now that we know who the murderer is, this, I'm going to put it right there with the Twin Peaks fake Lego figure set that came out last year. It's for the hardcore Twin Peaks nerds who just, I love Twin Peaks. I want to consume it all. I want to collect it all. It's a collectible. It adds nothing. Yeah. And I would say to that, I would get it in its original cassette form because you don't really need to play it, but you want to have it as it would be. You would want it as an object, as a cassette. To have it as an audio file, to me, is not the same thing. No, I I keep it as as a cassette, as a collectible that I will never put in a player that I don't have. Yep. And I now have it on Audible <laughs> so that I could listen to it for here and probably never revisit it again. It, it's so short. It's 45 minutes and like four of them is Angelo Badalamenti music. Yeah, they definitely, well, they knew the music was popular. I mean, it was charting at this time and they do have two of the most famous songs that bookend uh, this, these audio recordings. And they, it's in full. Like, they play the whole song. It's not just a little interlude. They're filling up the time here. It is. It's a it's a commercial cash-in. It's for fans only kind of item. You gotta think Kyle McLaughlin woke up that morning and was like, I got nominated for what? <laughs> yeah, I feel like even if it wasn't George Burns, someone else would have won. This is not <laughs> maybe Grammy material. But I, I don't mind the time that I spent on this. I think it adds to the show to know that they put it out on cassette in the age of CD. Uh, it shows a, a, a level of cleverness. And we got another shot at this. As you pointed out, Scott Frost is going to write more about Agent Cooper in book form. So maybe he can match what Jennifer Lynch did what we talked about yesterday, that's what I'm hoping, is that when we look more into these tape-recorded thoughts and feelings of Cooper, we get more of the man. 
And uh, I think that we probably will when we get next time here on Books and Nachos, when we get to My Life, My Tapes, probably in about a month. But for now, I mean, if you want more Lynch, I know this is a little bit short and we're not going to get to a new Now Peaking episode till tomorrow uh, over at our main feed of Now Playing. We got Wild at Heart finally, the movie that David Lynch made concurrently with the first season of Twin Peaks. And if you want to catch up, if you haven't heard our reviews of Twin Peaks, that pilot episode review, it's over two hours. You can just listen to that for free at nowpeakingpodcast.com. And all the rest, you know, we're 17 episodes in. You can hear those for a donation that supports Books and Nachos, Now Playing, Now Peaking, 99 cents an episode, or $29.99 to hear all of the reviews, which include all of the Showtime stuff going on this summer. It's going to be close to 50 episodes when all is said and done for $29.99. And... They're not as short as we would have wanted them to be. <laughs> <laughs> That's an advantage to the listener, but not to the people making the show. Certainly not to the people editing it. I have to applaud everyone that's making it happen. Again, we're releasing a new episode like the series, which was a day in the life of Twin Peaks. For every day that was, we're releasing it on the day uh, that it happened, a new episode. So that is a lot of shows happening at a record lightning pace. I mean, we've never put out so many episodes in so short a time. Other than like NPR, I don't know if anyone has. <laughs> but it's fun. I and mean, I got to say, it's, I'm looking forward to it, it does when the show lags. And I think we are talking about some of those lags for the rest of the week. It's more fun that we can get through it day by day and really kind of it's crazy to think about the way that this show unfolded as essentially 32 days. I mean, that is, it didn't feel that way. Watching the series, it felt like my entire senior year of high school. But to do it this way, it feels like a lot of fun. And so thank you for listening. You can hear those Twin Peaks reviews at nowpeakingpodcast.com. You can hear a whole bunch of David Lynch reviews, every movie back to Eraserhead, including wild at heart and we're going to be doing more in the coming weeks twin peaks fire walk with me two weeks from today all at nowplayingpodcast.com thank you for listening and until next time don't forget to support your local bookstore even if it's buying an audiobook thank you for listening to this episode of books and nachos now that you've heard this review, head to nowpeaking.com to hear Arnie, Stewart, and Jacob review every episode of the Twin Peaks TV series. You can also find many more book reviews at our website, booksandnachos.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help spread the word about our podcast by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. Books and Nachos is a crowdsourced podcast with no sponsors or ads. You can support our show by pledging to our Podbean campaign at booksandnachos.com slash support. Music is by Angelo Badalamenti. Music arranged by Aaron Lepley. This podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by any entity that created or produced the well-known TV program Twin Peaks. Books and Nachos is an independent television review podcast with no affiliation with Twin Peaks Productions Incorporated or any other company involved in the publishing, creating, or distribution of that show. 
All audio and music used in this show are the property of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. The opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Vinganza Media Incorporated. Books and Nachos is a Vinganza Media production, copyright 2017, all rights reserved, and no part of the show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated.